Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. And I'm Dylan. And welcome to another mini-sode. This time, uh, we are going to be talking about something that is a very small touch that adds a lot to the games that use it. Hey, Dylan, what's the topic this week? This Thursday. Well, it's not, a, it's not a new water, week. But, uh, oh, yeah, weird. Anyway, the topic is uh, levels, uh, specifically kind of a more old-school, uh, self-contained form of level, and how continuity is implied through... God, this is a this is a weird like thing to have like an actual like topic label yeah, for. But, but uh, in, we're talking about video game levels. We're talking about the continuity between levels. Um, about specifically, transitions. We're talking about all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and and specifically, these are the types of levels that are very like self contained. Like I know some games have levels that are really more like missions in a larger part of an overworld, like Devil May Cry or the Game Boy Color, the the portable Metal Gear games. Mm -hmm. um, but what I'm thinking of is more in terms of like, here is a level, here's the beginning and end of the level, and, you know, everything in between is kind of exists on its own plane. Like, uh, I guess to use Mario as an example, World 1-1 and World 1-2, that's not a good example. Well, I mean, <laughs> another, this is something that definitely was a much bigger part of, like, the video game design zeitgeist back in the nintendo and like nes and super yeah. nintendo era games so, like Mega Man, where you know yeah i would say like Mega Man's a good example i think uh i'll just use sonic sonic's an easy example because i'm gonna be using it later Ooh. Um, wait you know dylan you're talking about sonic the hedgehog on our <laughs> podcast you need to shut the fuck up Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> but um in Sonic 2, for example, uh, you go from Emerald Hill Zone, which is like a very grassy beach, to um, chemical, plant. To chemical Plant Zone, which is very different and not at all similar to Emerald Hill Zone. And I think Sonic Forces, Sonic Forces tries to imply some continuity between the two by like showing the gradual shift from Green Hill Zone to Chemical Plant Zone. But in the original 1993 Sonic 2, it, I, I don't know when Sonic 2 came out. I think it was 1993. When that game came out, there was really no implied continuity. It's just like you beat the level and, oh, I'm in this level now. Yeah. Ooh, what a nice con uh, contrasting color palette. Yeah, and, and that's the way that a lot of those games worked. I mentioned Mega Man, like the 
especially the early Mega Man games, it's like you're on a menu and you pick which of the robot masters you want to go fight. And then the game goes, okay, now you're in this. Now you're in the fire level. Now you're in the the helicopter level. Now you're in, you know, whatever it happens to be. That is, and that's some, that's not a thing that's gone away, really. I mean, even if you look in the last decade, decade and a half, games like the Call of Duty franchise, it's mm-hmm. not the same thing exactly, but it's still like you are dropped down into a level that has a discrete beginning and end, and then you'll have like a story blurb, and then you're dropped into another level with very little like actual connective tissue there outside of just like a cutscene and some some mission briefing. Yeah, to tell you that you are going here now. But there are some games that do a little bit more to help it feel like there's it, continuity there. Yeah. there. There's there is connective tissue. And since you already you already dangled the Sonic carrot, why don't you talk about what you were what you were going to talk about with Sonic, Dylan? Um, okay, so I think the first and more obvious Sonic example is Sonic Three and Knuckles, um, yep. which is really kind of it's it's well known for its. Um, transitions between levels uh it it really helps the whole game uh flow a bit more and feel like one continuous adventure because in sonic 2 you get to the end of the level you you fight eggman you step on the robot uh capsule to let set the animals free then the screen fades to black and it fades back in and you're in a completely new level sonic 3 and knuckles it tries to imply continuity a bit more so at the end of, I think it's Angel Island Zone is the name of the first one. Uh, you get to the end, and then you, I think you you get to a bridge. Knuckles shows up. He starts laughing at you. He springs a trap on you. The bridge under you collapses, and then you're falling. And then at the start of the next level, Hydrocity Zone. Fuck you. It's called Hydrocity, not Hydro City. I'm saying that right now. <laughs> <laughs> sticking it to somebody. <laughs> It's it's like a huge in joke uh, where people will argue <laughs> over whether or not it's hydrosity or hydrocity. It's it's um, hydrosity. It's hydrosity. Come on now, velocity, hydrosity. It rhymes. <laughs> I hope I didn't. It's like a po- it's like a poem. It's, it rhymes. It rhymes. <laughs> You're telling me I'm wrong. <laughs> um, but I want to say even before that, like I still remember being spellbound when i was first playing sonic 3 and knuckles by not even the transition out of angel island but the transition between, between angel, angel island, island act one act and act one two. two yeah yeah act, act one angel island in the in the classic tradition of sonic the hedgehog level ones is like lush and green and it's like a it's a little bit more jungly but it's still like it's the green hill zone analog yeah and then you get to the end of that zone and you're just running along this like long flat expanse and a a bomber jet flies down over you and starts carpet bombing it. And so you have to like manage your speed to not get hit. Or if my memory is serving, you actually just keep running as fast as you can. and The bombs will not hit you, but either way, Mm -hmm. like it, it's flying over you, just dropping like salvo after salvo of bombs. And then there is like a, a star wipe made of fire (laughs) that like crosses the screen. And then angel Island zone act two is you're still in that jungle, but the sky is red and all the trees are on fire. And it's like a scene out of the end of apocalypse now. Yeah. And it's like, honestly, a really effective transition considering, especially like Sonic three was again, early to mid nineties, like games weren't doing spectacle. Didn't do that. No, (laughs) very often. And when they did, it was rarely that effective. And like, it's a little hokey, but I still remember being completely like, 
holy cow, that's the coolest thing I've seen back when I was playing this for the first time when I was like seven. Right. And and so like it, it all kind of adds up to this. Sonic 3 and Knuckles is not my favorite Sonic game, uh, classic Sonic game. That would still be Sonic 2. But I think what I what I really enjoy and what I really like about Sonic 3 and Knuckles is these these little transitions that help kind of bridge the gaps between levels. It culminates in like such a nice way that like, I don't know, it, it really enhances the, the feeling of adventure that the game gives you. Yeah, it, it adds a sense of narrative flow. Yeah, you're not. It's not, you know, gameplay pause new section of gameplay in a new place it is oh sonic fell into the next zone and now has to keep continuing on on his adventure it adds like even though it's not changing anything mechanically really it adds a sense of like continuity that yeah you lose when you know it's just a wipe to a new zone or you go back to a level select screen and i i would argue like sonic 3 is the quintessential thing that people will point to and be like this is a nice example of not storytelling necessarily in old school games but definitely narrative narrative delivery narrative delivery thank yeah. you yeah and you get that a little bit also in uh or they 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 brought this idea back in Sonic Mania which released yes. last year uh, I think it's been 2 years ago I think it's now. been 2 years now yeah. time doesn't exist y'all 3 um, did it come out in 2017 I don't I don't remember. It might, I, it have, might have It might have come out in 2017, dude. We're not going to do our me... research, so what, neither should you. Uh, <laughs> 2017, holy shit. <laughs> uh, time means nothing. Um, yeah. But yeah, Sonic Mania did the same thing, where there would be... I don't remember well enough to say if they do it between every stage. Uh, there were a couple that didn't, but because people kind of pointed out how jarring that was, they went and patched in oh, really? one for every stage, I believe. Yeah. I didn't realize that. And that, that goes to show how much that kind of little touch can add. Like, yeah, you build this sense of like a continuation or a sense of forward progression, or at the very least a sense of like logic of, oh, I know why I'm here now. Yeah. It's not I th- just I think- because it was time for the water world. <laughs> Yeah, I think the continuity between the stages in Sonic Mania kind of elevates the game from, oh, it's like a best of Sonic album with like a couple new bonus singles you might not have ever heard of. I really (laughs) like music analogies. I'm sorry. That's Um, fair. It it kind of elevates it to a story where like it, it takes all these levels from all these disparate locations in Sonic and kind of tells a story out of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think it really helps. It For me, it really helps Sonic Mania. Um, I, think I know so that, too. like, you know, there there are always going to be people who are like, well, I mean, like, all that matters is the level design. And that's true. But I don't know. I think there there is a certain don't say je ne sais quoi. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a certain quality that is added by kind of implying a progression. Yeah. And so I'm going to talk about one more Sonic game just while Please. we're on the subject of the blue blur. Uh, something. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh. <laughs> I mean, it, it was kind of funny in retrospect. <laughs> um, but I think Sonic Adventure 2 is. Yeah, I, I have to talk about Sonic Adventure 2. Sorry. I You're know contractually you guys obligated. Of, if you don't, and, Sega will kill your family. <laughs> You know, you guys are probably sick of hearing about Sonic Adventure 2. Sonic Adventure 1's so much better. This isn't your podcast. Anyway. 
I don't know why I'm so antagonistic to our listeners today. Just that kind of day, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, yes, okay, so, uh, Sonic Adventure 2, and I think I talked about this in a previous episode, but Sonic Adventure 2 is a very linear game in the story mode, but when you, when you go to the level select, it actually shows the levels kind of spread out um, across a map, and so, like, you'll, you'll quickly realize, oh, I... Hero side level one takes place in the same city as Hero side level five. I think is the level Mission Street is. Uh, mission the levels Mission Street and Cityscape take place in the same city, so they're near the same area on the world map. And you know, Sonic Adventure Two is not the first game to do that. You know, play Donkey Kong Country, play Super Mario World. Like they both have world maps that you play during the single player mode. Uh, the main part of the game but i think what what's really cool is that you're seeing the same level at different times in the day and so when you're playing cityscape and then you go back to that same city later as tales at night and then you know you you play the dark side story and you're playing that same area as shadow there's really this kind of cool like oh all right yeah this is all this is all <laughs> one big place and we're, yeah. we're just getting a, a different expressionist depiction of it. Yeah, and it, it the fact that it's set up like a map also adds to the kind of like globetrotting adventure feel of that game. Yeah. Like it 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 has the same effect for me as the sequences in like Indiana Jones where you see the plane flying across the globe and leaving the little trail behind it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um and I guess like I would be remiss. Uh, since I gave it a shout out to not also mention that Donkey Kong Country, uh, I've only really played the first one, but that first game has it's it's pretty cool because like there's kind of two maps. There's like the there's like the world map and then there's the overworld map. So the world map is like whatever area you're in. So that could be a jungle. That could be a mine. That could be like a snowy area. You know, your your platformer worlds and as you progress through those, you'll kind of move further and further on the overworld, which is the mountain that is supposed to represent uh, the island that Donkey Kong Country takes place on. And so it, it's kind of this idea of like, the progression is upwards, you're, you're climbing up this mountain. And I don't know if it has as much of a narrative element to it as Sonic 3 and Knuckles, for instance, but it, it's still cool. And it, it still feels really good to like climb another notch. Yeah. I want to talk about something that is a little bit of a departure, but also very interesting in its own right in a similar sort of way. Because I think that narrative through level design and like continuity through level design is something that even though it is not a divided up into strict levels kind of game, Hollow Knight plays on this in a really interesting way too. Mhm. Mm so Hollow Knight, for those of you who don't know, it's a 2D Metroidvania-style, mildly Souls-like style game, all about exploring this, like, vast underground kingdom. And there's all of these different areas that are kind of made up of different biomes and involve different kinds of traversal. And it being a Metroidvania, the typical loop is something like you have, you, you know explore the first area that you drop into until you beat a boss and get the tool that you need to get into the next area. And then that area will get you the tool you need to get into another area somewhere else on the map. Mm -hmm. But what Hollow Knight does that I think is really clever is each of the areas 
feel in their own way kind of like what would be in, you know, a classic Castlevania style game, a separate level. There's wildly different aesthetic, there's different music, the color scheme is different, they just sort of feel like very partitioned off sections. But there is a cool sense of sort of like a liminal space between them. So as you're exploring the first area of the world that you're able to drop into is an area called the Forgotten Crossroads. And as you explore the Forgotten Crossroads, you might find yourself in a couple of rooms uh, with some ledges that you can't quite reach or some, some, area, some obstacle that you can't get past. And those rooms have these little shards of pink crystal that are growing up in them, which is completely I different. I remember this. Yeah, it's completely different from the aesthetic of the rest of the Forgotten Crossroad. Or on the other side of the Forgotten Crossroad, you might run into a single room where it's a little bit greener and there's a little bit more plant life growing up with another obstacle that you can't get past. And Hollow Knight does this very cool thing where the boundaries of these different zones bleed into each other. And so you'll have these rooms where the cold gray stone of the Forgotten Crossroads is giving way to the, the, the plant life of Green Path. Or you'll have rooms in Green Path where, you know, oh, up on that ledge, I don't have the tool I need to jump up to. I see a whole lot of mushrooms. I wonder what's going to be over there. And this, for one thing, just helps the world feel a little more organic. It doesn't feel like I walk through one door and suddenly I'm in an entirely new zone. There's a sense of, like, progression from A to B. But it also helps you as the player to, like, build a memory in your head of, like, oh... Mm. I remember where those pink crystals were. I now have this new tool. I wonder if there's something over there I can get to, which is especially helpful because Hollow Knight has kind of semi-optional map making <laughs> where like you have to put in time and resources to developing a map if you want one. So if you, you know, you haven't found the guy who sells you the starter map for an area, you kind of just have to remember where things are. And so the fact that they build in these like visual shorthands for like, oh, I remember like past this room is where the mushrooms start just helps you as a player to build out your kind of spatial awareness of the world in a really interesting way. And it just helps, like I said, it helps it feel more alive. It, ma it makes it feel more like a real place and not, you know, we, we plopped the ice place next to the fireplace, you know? Right. Yeah, not quite what we were talking about originally, but it, the, the thinking about this idea of like interlevel continuity got me thinking about right. the way that that game kind of like uses that to help the player remember things, which is necessary um, in a, in a big Metroidvania style game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I can, I can think of a kind of intra and level to level continuity uh, in the, the game that actually kind of inspired this, this episode um, so a couple episodes ago, I told Chris that I was getting into first person shooters, um, mm. particularly of the more old school variety. And so I've been playing quite a bit of Blood. Uh, for people who don't know, Blood is a P it's like a 90s, I think, 97 shooter made using the Duke Nukem 3D uh, build engine. And it is it's like kind of a horror game. It's it's, it's a horror game in the same way that Doom is a horror game. <laughs> I, I would say it leans a little bit more on horror yeah. than Doom does, because you are kind of more strapped for ammo. Uh, that's true. That's true. And yeah, like there are, there are also like a couple, I don't know if I can really call them jump scares, but like 
there there were a couple things that make me jump while playing Blood in a way that Doom hasn't ever really done. So uh, one of the things that I like about Blood that that really struck me about Blood is the continuity between levels. Of course, we've been talking about that all episode. Okay, so I, I've beaten the first episode of Blood. I think these old school shooters used to be released episodically. So you would like pick up an episode, play that episode, wait for the next floppy disk or something. I'm really showing my age by not knowing about how these games were released back in the day. <laughs> but what playing through episode one has been really interesting because you start at a funeral home because the premise is that you're, the character you control, Caleb, has died and has been reborn and so he comes out of his shallow grave and wreaks havoc on the cult that occupies this funeral home um and then you get to the end of that and then you start the next level in a train yard and you are trying to get from the train yard to the train station um and so you know you're fighting your way through the train uh the train yard and you get to the train station and you get on the train and the next level is on that train and so you are kind of exploring this train until you get to the engine room and then you blow up the engine and so the train crashes and then you start the next level on the crash train and you leave and you you're like oh wow i'm at a carnival (laughs) um and so you're going around the carnival now and then once you get to the end of this carnival you get to the cults you know the the villains that of the game are a cult so you get to their uh the castle that the cult occupies and then after you do that you get to the catacombs of the cult and i'm almost at the end uh (laughs) after you go through the catacombs you fight the final boss of episode one which is at the heart of the catacombs and so the reason why i spent so much time detailing this is that like it's very much like it follows a very singular logic where even though there isn't really a story to blood you can kind of you can kind of piece together a story of this is how Caleb got from here to here to here to here. And I think one of the fun things for me is like thinking more in depth about like, why the fuck does this cult have a carnival outside their castle? Because that's, (laughs) and it's like, oh, of course, it's a recruiting technique, whatever. Which like, no, it's not. But it, you know, it's a fun location to have in a video game. But it's, it's it's just kind of fun to uh, see how it all weaves itself together. Yeah, and it, uh, mm-hmm. I think yeah, that sometimes on. it's a cool location to have in a video game is all the uh, the rationale you need. <laughs> right, exactly. But it is cool that they, they took the effort to at least attempt to justify it in narrative. <laughs> right. Like, I don't, I don't think the carnival's actually like, you know, it's a front. This is how they get people to join their cult. Uh, that, that's just me being me. Yeah. But, you know, just, just the... It, it, it's the Sonic... It's kind of similar to the Sonic and uh, Knuckles, Sonic 3 and Knuckles uh, description I was doing. But I think what changes it is that there's no actual like cutscene transition from level to level. It's just you end a level um, and in that very 90s PC game, PC shooter type of way, you click on something to end the level and then you get to a stat result screen and then you go to the next level and like, boom, you're at the start of the next level and playing something like Doom. Uh, there isn't really much of a transition. I think Doom has like, oh, overworld, kind of like Mario does. But there's really no continuity between the end of level one and the beginning of level two, unlike Blood. Yeah. And that's something that I, I'd been, I've recently been playing Doom 2016 a little bit, and it kind of does the same thing. And from what I've seen of Doom, Doom Eternal, there's this, Doom Eternal in particular has a very little sense of interlevel continuity they're like mm. 
it's there in the narrative, but between every level you go back to your spaceship and then a portal opens that takes you to the next level. So and it's, so, <laughs> so it's Crash Bandicoot. It's not not tra- Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> <laughs> and like, that's fine. It, for a game like Dune, or Dune, for a Yo. game like Dennis Villanova's Dune, uh, <laughs> now for a game like Doom Eternal, the level design is what's important, and like the ability to, you know, go back and replay old levels to find secrets is an important element of that game. So having that kind of hub world aspect to it makes sense. But it is like comparing that to Doom 2016, which I'm not terribly far into yet, but there is still this sense of like every level is or every new level you come to is the next room that the previous level was leading you to. So even though there's not a transition necessarily, there's still a sense of like level one, you are making your way through this facility and then across the the surface of Mars. And then level two, you're in the facility that you got to after crossing the surface of Mars. So like there is still that sense of forward progression, even if it's not doing anything fancy, like what we're talking about. I think I had a couple more, um, but they're they're like kind of tiny mentions, so we don't well, have to like go, go ahead and knock those out, and then we'll we'll call it good. This episode's been a good length, I would say. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you mentioned Castlevania at some point, and I that did. kind of reminded me Castlevania doesn't really have this to quite the same extent as I just drew a blank Sonic Three and Knuckles. But it does actually have one level where you're walking and then Simon falls into a trap and then he ends up in the catacombs, which I thought was kind of cute. Yeah. Uh, There's also, uh, I believe Hideki Kamiya actually cited this as a moment he thought was super hype in the original Castlevania, which is um, in like level three, you're walking, uh, you're walking as you do in video games. Um, And in the background, you can kind of see the clock tower that you eventually go to. Or you see the uh, the clock tower connecting to the keep where Dracula waits. Yeah. And you might not realize that the first time you play the game. But like when you kind of when you play the full game and then you start it over and you, you see that and you connect the dots, it's a really cool moment. Yeah. Another game just to shout out on that similar in a similar vein to that. And again, a little bit of a stray from the topic, but that's something that Dark Souls does incredibly well the dark souls series has always been very good at like you will be seeing off in the distance places that you think like oh that would that's a cool environment and then like three hours later you're like oh i'm in that environment that i saw on the horizon here i am yeah and that's that's a really cool way that open world games can kind of touch into this idea like open world games Mm -hmm. inherently have that sense of kind of narrative connectedness because it's one big world but it can be easy especially in a, an open world game that's something more like just to pick a name out of the air something like a, a grand theft auto where you're just in a big city the whole time and you don't have that like difference in aesthetic that you get in you know mega man fire world versus mega man battery world mm-hmm. the dark souls games have enough varied scenery that you have that but they still manage to like tie everything together through those like disney world-esque sight lines I don't know why, but at first I thought Mega Man Fire World and Mega Man Battery World were like the titles of Battle Network games. <laughs> like You overestimate how much I know about Mega Man. I mean, like, I knew... I, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, for a second, I'm like, I don't remember those. And then I realized, oh, wait, no, he's talking about classic Mega Man, you dolt. 
You clown, you child. <laughs> you moron. You dunce. Okay. What was uh, the other thing you wanted to mention? It's like not even like really a huge thing because it's their cutscenes between levels, but like I think I have to give it credit because it was like one of the first, and so I'm gonna talk about Ninja Gaiden. That's all. I don't really need to talk about it. No, okay, so <laughs> Ninja Gaiden has um is an old school platformer much in the same style as Castlevania, except at the end of every level you get like a little cutscene. And so that gives a lot of not only does that give like an actual plot to the games that like builds with a dramatic rising and falling of stakes, but um on top of that, you also get context for what is this place? Why am I here? What am I doing? Um, if you're lucky, you might even know the identity of the boss you're fighting. Although that doesn't happen quite as often as you'd expect in Ninja Gaiden for the uh, Nintendo Entertainment System. Yeah, no, the and I think that like this is something that games have been playing with for a long time. I'm thinking now of like in uh, in Super Mario Bros. Three, you have like mm-hmm. a world map that you're moving around on that you know. It's very minimal, but it does help you to be like, oh, I guess that that I guess World 1-1 is down the road from World 1-2. But there are little moments little, and like little tiny cutscenes like in Mario Bros. 3, there are levels that take place like aboard one of Bowser's airships. And when you start one of those levels, you get a little like very rudimentary cutscene of Mario running up and jumping onto the airship as it flies oh, by, yeah. which is like. It's a very little thing, but it does add... That one's not even really adding continuity as much as it's adding, like, a very minor sense of, like, it's a set piece. And again, this is from an era of games where, like, set pieces were not a thing that was easy to do. (laughs) So the fact that they took the time to program in that little thing of, like, oh, yeah, Mario's jumping onto the airship is kind of awesome. I've been thinking a lot about like just like older games and the way that they like got stuff across recently. Uh the the Final Fantasy VII remake hype has me finally booting up Final Fantasy VII on my Switch to actually play through. And like seeing a lot of the ways that they made the, that game feel big. It's it's the same kind of stuff we're talking about here. It's little touches that like by today's standards maybe are antiquated, but like ways of achieving an effect that they didn't really have the technology to do and that's a lot of what we've been talking about today is like the the sonic games couldn't have like big sweeping cutscenes between levels so they have a little touch that's like yeah knuckles was a dick and sonic fell into hydrosity (laughs) i like it i like it i like like knuckles he's a dick (laughs) knuckles is a dick (laughs) knuckles knuckles okay i might cut this from the final episode but (laughs) hot take Knuckles and Cloud Strife are very much the same character. <laughs> oh, man, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, hey, everybody, thank you for listening to this episode of Backstage Gaming. I hope you enjoyed yourself, uh, and we will talk to you again on Monday. But until then, remember that wherever you're getting your podcasts, whether you're listening to us on the Apple Podcast Service, on Spotify, on Stitcher, or on the Google Play Store, leave a rating, leave a review, tell your friends, tell your family, mail a letter to somebody telling them to listen to our show. Also, if you want to know more about our show, you can head to our website, bsgpod.com. That is your one-stop shop for all things us. It's got bios, it's got info, it's got a contact form. If you want to reach out to us, go check it out. Is Shadow Sonic, is Shadow Sephiroth or Vincent Valentine? (laughs) 
Okay. The world may never. <laughs> All right, Sonic that... is Tifa. <laughs> <laughs> and Eggman is Barrett. <laughs> actually, Rouge would actually be Yuffie, and that yeah. I don't know how to digest that. <laughs> so maybe I won't. Maybe I'll just vomit. Anywho. <laughs> If you want to go on social media to tell me your Sonic Final Fantasy crossover headcanons, uh, you should that sweet, sweet fanfic. (laughs) You should hit me up on Facebook. You can also find us on (laughs) Slack. Okay, okay, all right, I'm back. Um, if you want to tell me about your dumb, dumb Sonic Final Fantasy headcanons, they're not dumb, I'm dumb, you can hit us up on Facebook, you can also hit us up on Twitter, where our handle is at BSG underscore cast. You can also find us on YouTube, and please, please, please be sure to use that hashtag BSGpod. Also, huge, huge thanks to our friend Brennan French for the key art he has provided our show. If you like his stuff, you should check him out at brennan-french.squarespace.com. That is b-r-e-n-n-e-n-french.squarespace.com. You can also find him on instagram.com slash brennanfrenchart and on Twitter at brennan underscore French. You should also go show some love to our friend BioQuery. He is the musician behind our theme song, Dot Sound Radio, Volume 1, Instrumentality. He's a great musician, a great composer. And if you like our theme song, you'll probably like the rest of his music. You can find that by going to soundcloud.com slash bioquery. That's soundcloud.com slash B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y. Or by searching for BioQuery on Spotify. Also, couple of big thank yous. One, thank you to the HB Video Game Podcast Network for having us on the network. They are a network of podcasts about video games that we are a part of. If you like podcasts about video games, either from the fandom side, the news side, the development side, or whatever you want to call our side, you should go check them out on Twitter at HPVGPodNetwork, and you'll definitely find some other shows to enjoy. Also, big thank you to our patrons over at patreon.com slash bsgpod. All of this is thanks to you, and we appreciate the hell out of it, and want to just say thank you all the time. And if you, that's right, you, want to help support our show, that is a great way to do it, heading to patreon.com slash bsgpod and taking a look there. That's all I've got for this Thursday, and we will talk to you again on Monday. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Oh no, Knuckles, no! (laughs) Splish. Why? Why did you do that? Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. 
After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. 